Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. All right, Citizen Heights, welcome to church and... uh... Welcome to those who are joining us online. Uh, We believe everybody needs a church, and everybody needs a pastor, and uh, we're so glad that you took time to join us today. Uh, Wherever you are, you're part of what God is doing here, and uh, for everybody in the room, turn to your neighbor and say, it's good to see you in church. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you better get your Bible out. Uh, We love the Bible here. We're going to dive right into Romans chapter 12, and uh, I'd encourage you that great conversation you just began a few moments ago, just tell that person, hey, let's let's, uh, talk afterwards, whether it's here and just taking a moment for the meeting after the meeting and uh, what God's going to do in your life. We also have uh, downstairs here at our Tenleytown campus, we have um, a free coffee bar, we have a welcome area. So we would love it if you're a first, second, or third time guest, or maybe you just feel like I've been coming for a while, but I want to make something a little bit, you know, more official. I want to meet somebody. Um, We'd love to get your name, introduce ourselves to you, hear a little bit about who you are. Uh, We have a free gift for you if you came to church today for the first time. So it's good to be in church. Amen. All right, go, go ahead. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. We're continuing a series entitled Life Traps. We have a lot co- going on in the holiday season, so thank you for your generosity, church. 150 boxes for Samaritan's Purse Christmas Child Project. And uh, now we've got Angel Tree that we just released some of those uh, opportunities last week. Dulles cleaned it out first day, and you got to hustle quick uh, if you want to help um, have your hand in providing for a family in the Washington, D.C. metro area, and uh, we want to make those opportunities very close and proximate to you, so those will be downstairs in our uh, citizen hall where you can kind of get a coffee, get your free gift, and then uh, check out what is going on with citizen groups and, and all that good stuff, but we're continuing a series today entitled Life Traps. Is anybody enjoying this series? Hopefully you've had a few weeks of it where you're kind of recognizing the rhythm of it and what uh, kind of what, where we're going. Uh, the subtitle for this series is Escaping the Past and Patterns that Hold Us Back. Escaping the Past and the Patterns that Hold Us Back. And in it, we've been looking at how our histories can form patterns of belief. Maybe we're not aware of the pattern or we wouldn't recognize it, uh, readily recognize it, or maybe even put a handle on it, but uh, our lives are shaped by our worldview, the view of our world around us and the patterns of belief. And sometimes you can buy into a pattern of belief that's really a deception. It's a lie. It's really taking you on a detour. It's not the truth of God's word, and it's not the truth or the reality of what's really happening in your life. And we we grab onto that, and it brings us into unintended cycles of dysfunctional living. And so I like, in, in the month of October and November, I like to talk about you know, a topic like this where we can really say, God, shine your light in my heart. Let's, you know, locate where I'm at, God, and let's deal with some of the past or some of the things that are hanging on to me because the Bible says the truth will set you free, right? And living in freedom 
uh, the freedom that God provided for your life. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's really no uh, win or benefit to, to hold yourself back from the truth and the freedom that God is ushering you into. Amen? And so we're looking at Romans 12.2. And uh, we're going to, it's a familiar passage now if you've been here for a few weeks, but let's go ahead and lay that foundation again. It says in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good will, his pleasing will, his perfect will. Can you say amen? Yeah, I, I love this passage because it we we serve a, a very uh, a very practical God not just not just in the spiritual aspect but in the in the emotional aspect in the mental aspect and we see in Romans twelve two it says there's something that God wants to bring you into and it's transforming and renewing your mind. See, God cares about redeeming me from my sin, right? Bringing me back alive, like spiritual life. But he also wants me to live free and uh, victorious mentally in this life. Aren't you glad we don't have a, we don't just serve a God who says, someday maybe it'll all come together. But even now, I want to start ordering your life. And that, that Greek word that is used, you know, that he's come to give us life, and life abundantly, that Greek word zoe, it doesn't mean just eternal life when you die. It means quality of divine life in the here and now. Say amen. And if you want your here and now to get better, let your mind understand that there are things that we think. Not everything I think is think worthy. You know what I'm saying? Not everything I think is true. Not every thought process and filter that I have installed in my operating system should be there. And so this passage really tells us, be, uh, just be open to allow God to start transforming your life by renewing your mind. But it also gives us this opposite picture that it, the, the other choice is being conformed to the patterns of this world. And that's really what we've been talking about in Life Trap. Life traps are those patterns of thoughts and beliefs that have been installed, whether we knew it or not, and they became normal for us, and we're operating under those patterns. And so, uh, to illustrate this a little bit, I was thinking about this earlier this morning. Um, just, just uh, when I was a kid, we would take these road trips, and and uh, we I, we never flew when I was a kid. I didn't fly until I was almost twenty years old. We drove everywhere. And uh, that was just the way it was. And we were a family of five, and, and we would drive to vacation. Anybody do that? You drive to vacation, and a family of five. And I have vivid memories of driving from New York to Florida. We grew up in upstate New York. We would drive to Florida. Yeah, some of you are feeling the pain already. Family of five. And we would drive in a, in a small car. Uh, we, we didn't have a minivan you know, there was no Tahoes or cool Suburbans or, you know, certainly not the Escalade, you know. We didn't even have the paneled station wagon. That would have been, you know, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, luxury vehicles by our standards, I can assure you. No, my family traveled in a vehicle, uh, it, well, I'll tell you what it was. It was a Datsun 210. Are you, are you familiar with a Datsun 210? Um, uh, it's just a marvel of austere, no-frills German engineering, 
right? Coming fully unequipped with no air conditioning. Yeah, a picture is worth a thousand words. So there it is, right? Two-door, compact, fully equipped with no air conditioning, no power anything, uh, really thick, shaggy cloth seats. So on those hot, you know, summer drives packed in there, uh, you know, great ventilation. And three of us, my brother and my sister and myself uh, in the back seat, hip to hip, not knee to knee, hip to hip. You know, you're just locked in there. And, and I look at my kids when we'd go on vacation, they would, like, they got, they got their own row in the vehicle. Like, it was like, which row is mine? And they enter the vehicle and they go back to a, into the vehicle. And they're getting quieter as they move towards the rear. That's how, so when we started this church, Heather and I, we lived in Williamsburg. And we would drive up here probably three or four times a week. And we had three kids under the age of four. And so it was a, it was a lot of driving. And we had this SUV. And we would just, you know, everybody get in your row, you know. And they'd have their own row and they'd have their own screen. And, you know, we'd throw some Chick-fil-A nuggets at them. And, you know, it was a good thing. But, you know, they had their own row, their own screen, their own food. And I didn't have my own cup holder in the Datsun 210, you know, uh, five humans on a 17-hour drive. And, and really the deals that you make with God in those moments, right? I was the youngest, so I had the least uh, seniority and tenure with the family. I was on probation. You know, things can change quickly. So, uh, you know, you make very one-sided deals with God in those big, long scenarios. It's really how I got in the ministry. True story. No. That's the deal I made. It could have been worse. There's somebody in Baltimore pastoring today. They made a worse deal than I made. All right. What are we talking about? The Datsun 210. As we got older, my parents were forced to make a move because the reality is we just literally couldn't fit in it anymore. We, we did not fit in, the, in this car any longer. And I wonder how many of us have wedged ourselves into a lie, a belief system, a pattern, right, that, that was restrictive as, as a child. Even growing up, it was restricting you. But now it's to the point, like, you just, the life God has for you doesn't fit in this belief system anymore. The life God has for you doesn't fit if you continue to live in the pattern that constricts and, and uh, uh, restricts your life. And so our text, Roman 12, Romans 12 says, don't conform to these patterns. And we've defined these patterns as life traps. And, and uh, as far as origination, um, what we've said just generally is a life trap usually results when something is done by us or done to us or something that is just commonly done around us that results in a moment where we feel abandoned, betrayed, rejected, excluded, criticized, deprived, some, some core moment where um, our response to that moment and the resulting ideas and thoughts become a pattern of belief. And we didn't, you know, we, nobody put a contract in front of you and had you sign it. Nobody said, now this is the belief system that you are now adopting. Uh, you know, we want you to be fully aware of its limit. Nobody does that. It's just in the moment. 
And what we've been saying is my life traps are my responses to other people's actions or inactions that result in my beliefs. Now, some of those beliefs may have been very true. And, and some of those beliefs may have been reflective of not just your family or your parents, but actually God's heart. Like if you had a healthy uh, experience and you felt very cared for and you felt very, you know, uh, seen and very nurtured, then you, you adopted this belief system, much like the youngest child of every family, that the world adores you. Right? And it's just a wonderful belief to have. And, and it may very well be true. It's certainly true of God's heart for you. But, but sometimes we have an experience or an encounter where my response to what is happening puts me in, in, a, in a path where I start believing something that isn't true. Uh, so if you lived in a dysfunctional environment, what happens later in life is you're drawn to that same dysfunctional environment. It's, it's called the repetition compulsion. And we, we started on, ver, on, on the very first week talking about this compulsion. Why? Because even though it, it's, it's, you're, you're uncomfortably comfortable with it, because even though it's not home, it's homey. Because it's recognizable. It's what, it's what you grew up in. It's what you experienced. And just like the, the Datsun 210, right, the two-door compact, um, today's life trap, it ensnares you in a cycle of feeling like you just don't fit. So what we want to talk about today, and, and of course I always encourage you, grab the Citizen Heights app, download it, open up the discussion notes because I can get far more into the notes there than I can uh, you know, just verbally and on the screen. But we'll do our best. Today's life trap is the social exclusion life trap. Okay, we're talking about the social exclusion life trap. And here's the lie that we receive and accept in the pattern. The lie is this, I'll never fit in. I don't fit. I'm an outcast. Somehow, I, I just socially, I'm awkward socially, I don't fit. And, and so let's expand this belief a little bit, and we'll put this on the screen. The, the belief, the social exclusion life trap, it's the belief that people will exclude you because you're undesirable or different. Your differences, uh, or, or maybe your perceived inadequacies would be another way, because it could be you're just different, or it could be you perceive yourself to be inadequate in some way. It, it may be real, or it may be imagined, but it equally results in you living with an anticipation of rejection and disconnection and isolation. That's Listen, what God has for you, it will not fit in the vehicle of this pattern. Amen? So let's talk about, and, and by the way, I believe most people have a component of this just because of, it's, it's just so pervasive to be aware of yourself and, and maybe even negative thoughts about yourself. Um, so this is fairly pervasive, but possible emotions, if you're wondering if this applies to you, uh, you feel different. You feel like you don't belong. You feel self-conscious in social situations, you feel overwhelmed, maybe at events, maybe at gatherings. Uh, you feel fundamentally different from other people. You might even feel fundamentally uh, inadequate compared to other people. You feel disconnected from community, and sometimes you even feel disconnected from your own family, and the extreme is you feel disconnected from society. And because I feel different, 
listen, this is important. Because I feel different, I live with an anticipation of rejection, disconnection, and isolation. Do you hear what I said? I live with an anticipation of it. Now, we've all felt disconnected. We've all felt rejected. We've all felt isolated. We've all had moments of that. But, but this life trap is peculiar because it's not just an emotion you feel in the moment of a social exchange. It's an anticipation of that social exchange. Do you see the difference? So what it means is you are not comfortable with you, so you anticipate others feel the same way. What that means is you do not accept you, so you project that assumption on others. They will not accept me. I remember being in, in Bible college, and um, one of my professors changed my life forever. Changed my life forever. What I said earlier about habits, like God has a path and a course for you, to be sure. He has your future. He knows the days numbered, the hairs on your head. And uh, so we know God has a future for us, but the habits that you uh, really decide upon are the habits that carry you to the future that God has for you. And I remember listening to this professor, and I was just keying in. What does he do that's different? Like, what, how does he think that's different? You know, what are, the, what are the ways? And he told me one time, he said, Michael, I walk into every room, and before I walk into it, whether I'm going to preach or do a leadership session or, or whatever it is, and before I walk in, I tell myself, everybody here loves me and can't wait to hear what I have to say. And I said, what a glorious lie to tell yourself. Like, what a, a, a beautiful deception to embrace. And he said, I am the most true version of myself when I believe the people in the room love me and want to hear from me. He goes, that's when I'm the most true version of who I am. So it gets me in the mindset to, to be who I am, to be authentic. Now, my, my sons, two of my sons, uh, played a lot of golf growing up. They competed all over the country, and they were ranked. And they, I mean, this, they competed since they were seven, eight years old. And um, I would always notice that their, their skill set was exceptional. And they could, the, the ball sounds different when they hit it. You know, they have, uh, they, even to this day, if I'm truly honest, I can't, t I cannot touch them. They are levels and levels beyond. Um, but even though they had the physical abilities and the training and all that stuff, the thing that really sets apart elite athletes is not the physical tools, it's the mental tools. And I remember one time we ran into this, uh, this tight end, uh, from an NFL team, and I just told him, like, will you talk about how you think, right? Don't, don't talk about how you bench press or how you sprint or how you physically prepare because that has been codified for time and time again. We, we know the physical processes, but tell us how you approach this and tell us what your mindset is about that because the mental side, it's where the battle is won or lost. And so... This idea that you're not comfortable with you, so you anticipate others. No, no, no. Everybody in here loves me. Everybody in here cannot wait to hear what I have to say. You say, well, that sounds very arrogant. Listen, some of us are so far on the other side of, of the spectrum, you don't have to be too overly concerned about arrogance. Now, some of us do have to be concerned about that. Matter of fact, more in the DMV area, it seems to attract people who have a very strong sense of self-belief. But that doesn't mean it touches every area of your life. 
And so being able to say, wait a minute, I, I ex- if, if you can accept you, suddenly you're not projecting rejection on everybody around you. So origins, all right? I, I might need a few extra minutes to get through this, but I'm going to move quickly. Is that a fair deal? Possible origins. There, there's a lot, but I'm just going to hit two. Growing up, you felt your family was different from uh, neighbors and people around you. I think this life trap is interesting because it's very... Uh, it, it is personal to your reactions, but it's, this one is tied more to family than others are. And it's, it, so you felt your family was different from neighbors or people around you. So what does that mean? Well, you're, you, you grew up knowing that your family was different, uh, maybe religiously or social status or financial status or educational level. Um, maybe there's a big disparity in material possessions, right? So you knew that your family was different. Or maybe your family was different because they had different habits or standards or manners or customs or a language barrier. And so you just, you just felt like, man, we are on the outside. My family, we're looking in. And, or maybe your family had someone dealing with uh, mental illness or alcoholism. And you knew in your family that's being dealt with, and, and all these other families are the quote-unquote normal families, but you're a different family because you're absorbing and you're handling and you're, you're, you're constantly uh, uh, scrambling to uh, coexist with someone in the family who has an addiction issue. Or maybe your family felt different because you moved from place to place and never were there long enough to put roots down. A lot of military families, and you, you have this sense of we're different because we're never all the way in. We're always on our way in or on our way out. Or the last one on, under this first idea of family, it wasn't so much that your family was different than everybody else. It was your family was different from you. And you felt different from your family. There was just something different about, about you um, that you were aware of. So that's one possible origin. The other possible origin is you felt you were different from other children around you growing up. And, uh, and that could have been different in a good way. Um, maybe you're gifted. Maybe you're exceptional in school, academically, like really inclined. You know, the bookworm who loves to devour books and got great grades or had unusual abilities or aptitudes or, or interests. So maybe you're unusual in a good way and you're aware of that. Or maybe your personality may have been a little bit different from the people in your social circle. So maybe you were shy or intellectual or emotional or introverted or deep thinker. And everybody in your social circle seemed to be totally different than that. Um, maybe uh, growing up uh, physically, you grew slower than everybody else, or you developed faster than everybody else, and you just felt like you were out of sync with those around you. Whether that was real or imagined, if it becomes a point where you, you in that moment begin to make assumptions about yourself and your future based upon that observation. Or maybe you struggle with the central component of identity, right? Um, like, like sexual identity, and you struggled with that. Th- this will almost always re- result in a paralyzing sense of isolation, this withdrawal. And, and I should be clear about something. We, we make strong statements um, about God's word at this church. Okay, we love the Bible. Amen. Things that are true, foundationally, fundamentally, unapologetically. The Bible says, and the truth will set us free, so let's, we love the truth, right? 
So things that are true, um, marriage is one man and one woman. Life is sacred from the womb. God created male and female. So we, we make strong statements about God's truth. But can I tell you something else? We make strong commitments to God's love. And so this will be an unusual experience if you haven't been to a church that says, God's word, God's way, it's freedom, it's life for me. Like, we're not wavering. That's the word. It's true. We make a commitment to God's truth, but we make a commitment to God's love, to love one another, to take the journey with one another, to walk with one another. God's word is clear. His word leads us to truth and freedom. But God's word is clear. His kindness and his patience leads us to repentance. So it's not one or the other. It's and both. And that's when you have a community that says, you know what? I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but you still have room for me and a patience for me. But you haven't, you know, you're not just glossing over it. You're urging me forward into God's best for me. Man, I want to be around people who don't just, you know, say, have you ever gone somewhere like, is there something on my face? You know, I need you to be my mirror for a second. They're like, oh, no, you look great. You just look amazing. I had to say something to someone recently. They had this big drip of nacho cheese on their chin. And I was like, and you, you know, when that happens, you have a decision to make at the table. It's like the uncomfortable moment of going, Lost a lot of feeling in your chin recently? Because <laughs> there's about three dips worth of cheese right there on the chin, right? You have the uncomfortable moment of telling them the truth or the uncomfortable reputation of being someone that, who sat at the table with them and when they got in their car and looked in the mirror and said, he never said a thing. Listen, we will be sitting in eternity and there, were, there are people's lives who hang in the balance, and they need someone to say, because I love you, this is a truth that will free you, that God, we're, we love the truth, but, man, we love God's love and committing to that. If you're struggling with core identity issues, work through it in the church. Work through it with Bible-believing, right, truth-loving, uh, people-caring Christians. Work through it in a place like that. Amen? Sidebar, we're moving forward. Origins, right? So we're talking about origins growing up. Maybe you felt a certain way, uh, a way or you actually were different or excluded. And because of that, you withdrew uh, to the background. You withdrew from the fallout. You excluded yourself to avoid, <laughs> you excluded yourself to avoid being excluded, thereby ensuring the cycle will continue. I exclude myself. It's preemptive. If I exclude me, you can't exclude me. But by excluding myself, I'm ensuring the cycle continues. So this is a false pattern of belief that leads to false, uh, a pattern of false conclusions that you are destined to or you desire social exclusion. So there's a lot of things that we could say about this. Um, you know, you, you can't relax and just be yourself. This is the cycle. You feel lonely even when you are with people. You worry about doing the wrong, wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. You feel different than people around you. You feel inferior to people around you. You're nervous and self-conscious around groups of people. 
And so socially, you avoid joining groups. You avoid being part of a community. You, you spend time with maybe your immediate family or that one or two close friends that you show the real you, but everybody else, you, you preemptively remove yourself. You feel embarrassed if people meet your family or know a lot about them because they're going to see the difference if, if that's one of your origins. So here's the key. One of the things that... that because we're going to start, we're going to shift gears and start talking about solution. But understand, one of the keys of this life trap is that you are put in a place where you have to exaggerate your differences and you minimize your similarities. If you're going to continue to function in the life trap, you have to exaggerate, oh, I'm really different. And you have to minimize the ways that you actually are similar and you actually could connect with other people. So what happens, that means escape and avoidance become your coping skills. I escape and withdraw, or I avoid, um, and that's the rock on which your social exclusion is built. I escape, I withdraw, I avoid, um, and, and because of that, because you withdraw, your social skills are never used, so they can't improve, right? And you withdraw, your, your self-imposed exclusion is confirmed. So again, it's that I become uncomfortably comfortable with isolation, so I inflict that exclusion on myself through escape and avoiding. So where do we go from here? You ready for solutions? Let's bring it home, all right? Two steps out of the social exclusion rice trap. I like, to, I like to use the word start because today God is starting something new. Say amen. God is, say, God is saying here is, you know, I've located you in this life trap. Let's get you out of that two-door compact. God's got a lot of big open space for you to run in. And to do that, we're going to start a few new things. Number one, we're going to start seeing a professional. Say amen. A counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, uh, preferably somebody who has a Bible, uh, uh, Newthetic counseling who has a biblical world worldview, but I have found even those who are who are trained and 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 are don't even know God. Therapists have tools and practical skill sets that help people in a tremendous way. So if you have been somewhat resistant or reluctant to say, well, I'm going to have a count. If you have a mechanic for your car, you should get a mechanic for your mind. You know, if, if, and so I would say this, if, if God is the good shepherd, but he entrusts care to under shepherds, pastors, right? He's the ultimate shepherd, but he gives you little shepherds on earth. And God is the ultimate physician, but he gives you little physicians on earth. And you say yes to them, right? Then God is the wonderful counselor. You should have a little counselor on earth. The under counselor. If you need a counselor or therapy, what we say is you're not broken, you're smart. You're smart if you have somebody in your life helping you uh, because professionals aren't just clinical, they're practical. And the practical too, this life trap takes some practical help because people with this life trap, it's not unique that they are flawed. We're all flawed. People with this life trap, it's not unique that they're flawed. They're unique in that they have an exaggerated view of their flaws. Do you hear me? So you need someone like a counselor to help you evaluate the validity of your own self-criticism. Like someone who will ask you and say, there's, you know, are you self, are, are these self-assessed, disqualifying uh, flaws, are they real or are they imagined? 
Let's talk about them. What do you think they are? And are you exaggerating your differences? And are you, like, uh, minimizing your similarities? Let's talk. So you need a practical dimension. Start by getting someone you can talk to. And I'll tell you, if you can't start anywhere else and, and you're unsure of where to start, start by talking to your citizen group leader. Start by getting in a citizen group and, and just begin sharing, like, these are some of the things that, like, I'm extreme at. And you might find out, they say, that is kind of extreme in you. I've noticed that, Tennessee. But, you know, you can learn how to do that differently. Because sometimes it's real, but sometimes it's just imagined. And, and you say, man, I'm just, I mean, I've, I, I've never known too many people except Miguel who is happy with their physique. You know, like there's, there's like two people on the planet. They both run a CrossFit and everybody else is like, ah, oh, this doesn't look good. And then you talk to somebody and say, you know what? Like, <laughs> you're looking pretty good. You're doing pretty good. What, how many kids are you raising and how much sleep have you skipped and how many times are you eating the kids' leftovers and, you know, and depriving yourself and, and seeing to the needs of others? You know what? You're doing just fine, right? So it could be real or it could be imagined. You need someone to discuss that with. And so one thing I think, as we'll move on to the second one and close here, but there are some things in life that you should change, right? And you should submit those things to God. It's like sin. It's like uh, uh, sinful patterns and cycles. You should submit those to God, and that takes repentance. But there are other things in your life that you cannot change about yourself, right? Listen, if I was 6'4", I wouldn't be preaching here today. God knew it. God knew it. 6'4", as mean as I am, I would have been D1, and then I would have been either in the Italian league playing somewhere. Or, like, nobody, listen, God knows. And, and so you say, well, I wish I had this hair, or some hair, or these eyes, or, or, or less nose, or more nose, or whatever it is. There are certain things about you you cannot change. So this is not about repentance. This is about acceptance. So let's get on. Let's end with that. Number two, start a new pattern of belief. So let's talk about acceptance. Okay, the 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 lie, the old car that you've been stuffing yourself into is I will never fit. But the truth is, I am fearfully and wonderfully fit. That's the truth. My kids would look at me sometimes like, Dad, Mom's family, like Mom's got uncles that are six foot four six foot three blonde hair blue eyed like real specimens They're like dad you blew it <laughs> the gene pool was somewhat shallow from dad's side of the family i said guys i'm i'm exactly the size i'm supposed to be i'm mobile i'm hostile i'm like i'm just what god wanted for the job I'm fearfully and wonderfully fit. You won't catch me talking bad about the created because it's an indictment on the creator. You hear me? The psalmist wrote, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he goes on into worship. Wonderful are your works. The ego on this guy. <laughs> I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, wonderful 
are your works. My soul knows it. I've accepted it. I've received, like there's an acceptance of who I am. Now, I'm not going to accept my sin or my bad character or bad habits. That's all for redemption. But there's creative intention in some of these things I can't change. In a very real way, our fit isn't about our feelings. It's not about the social class or our friends. It was about our Father who created us and says, you're fearfully and wonderfully fit. Like I had intention in that. You don't ever open up the cabinets and pull out a, a, a mug and say, oh, mug, if only you were eight times larger and had a bigger handle and possibly a little spout, then I could pour things out of you. No, you say, mug, you're just what you're supposed to be. You got a small handle. It's only six ounces because triple espressos is too much for you. So it's just that right fit for the hand and the purpose it was designed. And then you open up that other cabinet and say, oh, pitcher, you're just as intended. The lemonade and the tea and all the things all mix in you because you have greater capacity and greater. Listen, don't diminish your God-given capacity. Don't diminish your God-given created intention. God made you. And the psalmist says, my soul knows it. Like it, like that when there was a journey from my mind to my soul. But it starts by transforming my mind and, and no longer conforming to these destructive thoughts. When you say, God, there are things I don't like about myself. What you're saying is, God, you blew it when you made me. God, you made some mistakes when you made me. So when you reject yourself, in essence, you're rejecting God's work. God's wisdom. God knew. Who are you? To question. Well, I thought I was a I thought I was a mug all these years, but it turns out, you know, I'm a salad bowl. I don't know. What's unique? You know, I thought I was this, but it turns out like I was created with intention. And even my story, and even the moments that I thought were, were wins for the enemy, and the, the, the subplot of, of bad things, but God causes all things to work together for good. And you go, even the, even the stuff I don't like and not proud of and journeyed out of, that's like God's grace in me and God's uh, uh, hand and calling on me to be a voice of freedom for somebody else and to share my story and inspire them that God's no respecter of persons and if he got me out of that, he'll get you out of this. You're saying, Romans 9.20 says, I like this, my friend, I ask, who do you think you are to question God? Does the clay have the right to ask the potter why he shaped it the way he did? Self-acceptance is part of trusting God. Again, I'm not talking about don't, don't go to the person who will just let you with the cheese on your chin. Go to people who tell you the truth about things that are hurting you and, and holding you back and the truth of God's heart for you. Let them tell you the truth. But it's only two things. It's either something that you need to repent from or it's something that 
You just need to accept. God made me this way. I accept that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Say amen. Right? I, I accept that you're the potter and I'm the clay. Amen. I accept that your thoughts are higher and your ways are higher and you see my future and you see the, the purpose that you have for me. I'm molded and I'm fitly framed together by the master of the universe. Ephesians says, I am his workmanship. I am, I am his creative uh, uh, masterpiece for what he designed me to be. The truth is, Jesus says, although you've outgrown this pattern and this old thought, you... You've always fit with me. Amen? Jesus has never been opposed to finding the different. Right? Chose the fishermen who are on the, just look at his disciples, all the fishermen who are the bottom rung of society. The Matthew, who is a tax collector, which we know from context that a lot of embezzling going on tax collectors. We know Paul, who Jesus appeared to in a vision and called, was a lawyer. Hey, there's hope. Right? We don't know who Nathaniel and Thomas, you know, what they did or what they were like, but if you've got a lawyer on your crew and Simon, a political zealot and all these other, you got to assume one of them was a contractor, right? Thomas or Nathaniel would have been somebody who are just like, really, God? Like, you're going to bring in that guy and that guy and that guy and they have that issue and they have that extreme. Jesus wasn't excluding. He's always been radically including. And not just in the fringe, but the inner circle. Right? The God of the Bible. He included Abraham, the liar. Moses, the stutterer. David, the murdering adulterer, Gideon, Gideon the, the, the fearful, Jacob the usurper. Like, God, what are you doing? I'm seeking and I'm saving the lost. And yeah, you might have been different, but we serve a God who sees your differences. He says, I'm going to redeem the stuff that needs redemption. But I want you to accept this other stuff because I have purpose in it. Can you close your eyes right where you are? Father, we thank you today. We're going to start new today, Father. Some of us are going to reach out to a trusted friend or a citizen group leader. or We're going to reach out to a counselor or somebody who can begin to be practical and give us the feedback and the help and the strategy and the, the practical steps we need to start journeying out of this restrictive, limiting mindset. God, we're going to also step into a new season of accepting ourselves. We praise you because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Let our soul know it. Let it start with our mind and let it begin to be on repeat where we're even walking into a room and we're, we're just, we're rehearsing to ourselves before we go in. Everybody in here loves me. Everybody in here can't wait to hear from me. And God, we just start to believe that we are your ambassadors. We are your spokespersons. You didn't just save us to leave us in, in triage. You saved us so you could heal us and restore us. 
all, starting by forgiving with us, but then begin to transform us. The renewing of our mind, where we begin to walk like those who know God's counsel. We begin to walk like those who have, have the, the grace of God, but also have a confidence in God. Lord, we pray that we would be men and women of faith. We would be people of faith to say, God, you made no mistakes here. I might not understand it, but God, I know in time you'll reveal it and you'll use it and you'll make sense of it. So God, in the in-between, I trust you. My soul knows fully well. So God, we pray right now with every eye closed. I want to pray for you just as we conclude. If you're here and you're saying, man, this is, this is all well and good, but where does it all begin? Start with a counselor, okay? Start with a new mindset. No, no, no. It all starts at the foot of the cross. It all starts with Jesus forgiving you. And you say, well, how do I get that? How do I achieve that? How do I, how, how do I earn that? And the answer is you can't and you don't. The Bible says... That for God so loved the world, he gave his son a gift. The grace of God and the forgiveness of God is a gift you receive. And you receive it by faith. With every eye closed, I want to pray with you today. If you say, man, I need the forgiveness of God. I need to know I'm right with God. I need to walk out of this place today knowing that there's forgiveness, there's freedom, and there's a future. Well, it all starts here with the forgiveness of God. With every eye closed, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand when I hit three. By lifting your hand, you're, you're not joining a church, and I'm not going to trick you into standing up or calling attention to you. I just make that agreement up front. Just want to be honest with you. I'm just going to pray a general prayer over us as, as we dismiss. But by lifting your hand, you're saying, God, you're the answer I've been looking for. By raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor, include me in that, that prayer that you're going to pray. And it's the first step of a new life. Are you ready? Count to three. One, don't wait. Today is God's day of new starts. Two, he loves you right where you are, but loves you too much to leave you where you are. Hands are already going up. One, two, three. Say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Got you, got you, got you. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else say, include me in that prayer. You can be sneaky about it. You can be quick about it. You can be bold about it. However you want to be, you just say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Hands, hands, thank you. Heart might be beating real fast right now. You say, maybe I can escape this a moment, but God's brought you to this moment because he doesn't want you on the fringe. He doesn't want you on the outside. He wants to make it personal today. Praise God. Put your hands down. Maybe you didn't feel comfortable lifting your hand, but you know this for you. Repeat after me nice and loud. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. So I surrender. I surrender who I am, who I used to be, all my plans for who I want to be. I put my life in your hands, Jesus. Forgive me. Heal me. Restore me. In Jesus' name. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By God's grace, I am saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate with those who just prayed that prayer. Such a good day.